Welcome to the Rural Pastor Podcast with your host, Andy Addis, and special guest, Mark Clifton. We plant the seeds in the ground, though the fields have long been brown. Lord, when will your harvest come in? I'm giving all I've got to give in the place where I've been sent. But will my labor make much difference in the end? Will no one ever know? Sometimes I feel so all alone. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope to that church on the corner of that forgotten little town to a room of empty peers where his love can still be found. You may never know of all the seeds you sow. But it just takes one willing soul to make him know. Mm-mm. We haven't talked about it in a while, Mark, but that song. That, that song, song is pretty good, isn't it? It is, it is. Tell you what. I don't know if they're ever going to give it a title. People ask me, what's the title of that song? I say it's the Rural Pastor Podcast mm-hmm. Song. And if they ever gave awards for the best podcast intro song, we would we would have it. Because that's original, guys. That's not like something. We, like, we didn't just rip that off of somebody else. That's right. We didn't pirate that song. Well, that and, was written for this show, by the way. And we talked about it weeks and weeks ago, but the truth was you said, you know Chosen Road. And I do. you said, yeah. hey, write me something for this, and this is what you got. Yeah, it is. We gave them some ideas, and they put them down and sent them to me. And, and for several thousand dollars? Uh, 40, 47 five, I think. That's Is that what no it was? No, man, they just did it because they love they rural love, pastors. They didn't, they, we didn't send them anything like that. Don't, don't get, don't you know. <laughs> no, they're amazing. They're amazing. Uh, my name is Andy Addison. I have the privilege of being the volunteer rural strategist for the North American Mission Board Replant Team. I'm also the pastor of a rural multi-site known as Crosspoint. I'm here with... I'm Mark Clifton. I am uh, the senior director of replant and rural ministry and all that stuff at NAM. And I pastor a multi-site church. We have Linwood Baptist Church in Linwood, Kansas, town of 400 people. Okay. We have about 60 on Sunday morning. We have a little tiny building, and next door is the elementary school that's now vacant. So they let us have our adult Sunday school over in the elementary school. So we're in two locations at once. You know, I've been told that multi-site is hard to define, but that is... <laughs> That's a different kind of definition if I've ever heard one. Well, you know, I put that on my resume. I was now. worried you were going to say, yeah, we got a group meeting at the Dollar General. No, that's right. <laughs> anyway, we are going through a series of um, principles from a book that uh, we have released uh, that's called Doing More Together. And it's uh, out of the growth of this uh, rural multi-site called Crosspoint that I've had the privilege to pastor. And today we're talking about a principle that is uh, probably a bit controversial for some, and it's that sometimes you lead by stepping down. Leaders yeah. can lead by stepping yeah. down. Yeah. And it's important that today is the day that hopefully you're going to get some relief because the Rural Pastor Podcast, we want to pour into, partner with, and pat on the back the Rural Pastor. We know what you do is important, but we also know it's heavy. And so today is the day we may be telling you, giving you some advice to lay some stuff down. Yep. Um, so let me ask our, our intro question. I always like to delve into your past. Yeah, go ahead. I'm going to actually start with the story and then I want to see right, where you, you come from this. Right. What's the best thing you ever quit doing? doing for your church? Well, 
I, I've always loved music. I used to be a long-haired bass player in a Christian heavy metal band. You know, that, that's stories I don't even want to talk about right now. Um, I played saxophone all through whatever. And then because I had a little bit of musical talent, these small churches were like, well, you lead worship. Well, I did that several times, and then I got asked to lead worship at a camp, which in my world was like the major leagues. That's that's the big stage, isn't right? it? I wanted that's to go. the big gig. And I remember I was so nervous. I thought I was going to die, yeah. I'll be honest with you. Yeah. And I'm out at Webster Conference Center, and I'm there seven hours early because I want to practice and get them some things going. And I'm just, I'm really going to die. And it starts to rain. And I mean, it's like Noahic rain coming yeah. down. And about two hours before camp is supposed to start, no one's there. And then I finally figured it out. It rained so much, the roads washed out, and it flooded. And I went, Lord, you have delivered me from the worst ministry experience. And and ever since then, I've said no. When somebody wanted me to, like, I, I got no at the more. door of it, and God delivered me. I'm not going to do that again. How about you? What's one of the oh, best things you ever could? Uh, okay, uh, leading music. The yeah. same, huh? The same, just leading <laughs> congregational music. You know, uh, I can't do it well, but I know who can do it poorly, and I'd rather... I'd... <laughs> I'd rather me do it poorly than somebody else do it poorly. Because if I'm watching somebody else do it poorly, it just grates me. If I'm doing it poorly, I don't think I'm doing it all that bad. So anyway, so uh, yeah, there have been too many times that I have decided, well, I can lead music better than somebody else, and uh, I, I had to, I need to give that up. You don't, you don't want to, you don't want to be the. I know some of you listening lead music, and we can talk about that maybe in another podcast, but. Uh, you, you, you to, to both lead the music and preach both, um, yeah. You're, you're. I discovered even in my rural small church settings, it was better to have someone really maybe even a little bit lower quality than me, which was not hard to be, <laughs> uh, lead the music rather than me do it and they do it. And also, it just helped clear my mind, get ready to focus on preaching. Some guys are totally talented and they can do that, they and that's what both. God's called yeah. them to do. So I this know, isn't I saying know. this is what you do or don't do, but this is saying there's some stuff that I will you say this should. though, and it, it kind of gets to this. If I walk into a church and the same guy leads the music, mm -hmm. says the prayer, mm -hmm. does the closing prayer, he's the only person doing anything. I got I, that. That sends a signal to me that well, you're looking for his cape because yeah, Superman's running that Yeah, he's also he's not. He probably feels like there has to be a certain level of quality before somebody can get in the pulpit. And basically, for most of us in churches of less than a hundred people, uh, you know, let's be honest. It, it, that's one of the joys of being in a small, normative-sized church. We don't have to have that kind of a high bar. Yeah, and that's why they call them specials because they're not good, but they are special. Well, yeah, sometimes, you know, right? yeah, yeah. God, God gave me this song to sing, and sometimes I think, well, I, I wish He'd take it back. <laughs> I heard. Okay, we're teasing. We shouldn't. We know it's all about the heart. We we understand that. We understand that. But let's talk about this real principle for leaders that sometimes the best leadership that you can afford is by stepping down. So, just in a nutshell. Cross Point, the church that I pastored, was a single location of about 100 people. Now we're a multi-site with uh, more than a dozen locations, running an average of two to 3,000, depending on you know season when people are there that aren't. And here's what we found. We have plateaued four times, significant plateaued. When we look back, three of those plateaus were entirely on my shoulders because I bottlenecked us. Mm -hmm. I kept holding on to something mm -hmm. that the, and here's the principle, the church outgrew me for. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful thing when the church outgrows you in right. some areas. It, it's right. absolutely wonderful when you can say, okay, we've grown enough. It, it's not always numerically. Sometimes it's on quality. Sometimes right. it's on purpose or direction. But 
would you agree that it, that it is a very real thing in ministry to just be aware that you can become the bottleneck because good things are happening and the church has outgrown you? Yeah, or you can become the bottleneck, again, because you want everything to be done a certain way, mm-hmm. and you know you can do it probably as well as anybody else, and you just make sure that it's easier for you to do it than to try to delegate it and see that it's going to get done and chase somebody down to see it. And so you just end up, and listen to me, your church will let you do everything you do. I mean, mm. the, you, you take a job, they'll let you do it. And and your job and my job is to raise up leaders. That's it's it. to make disciples and it's to give them opportunities to lead. And um, you know, not just to talk about our church, but I'm awfully proud of our church. If sure. you come to Linwood or you watch it on Facebook, every Sunday morning there'll be at least three different individuals that will three different one every Sunday morning that'll read scripture and pray and maybe even explain that scripture. And some of them were pretty doggone nervous doing it the first few times. But lately, I've seen some of them get really comfortable doing it. And That's listen, I've been doing that for since we started a year ago, uh, October 2021. Um, October 2020, rather. So it'll be two years coming in October. But listen to this. Two of those guys are going to preach at the end of this month. Uh-huh, that's There's great. There's two laymen that are going to preach at the end of this month. I mean, you has got to start somewhere. You kind of want to work yourself out of being indispensable. Amen. If you're the indispensable person in that church, we need to have a talk. And, and you know, I went and visited a friend's church, a small uh, rural church, not too long ago. And uh, I, I got to be honest with you, he had three or four people that helped with the service. And uh, and, and, and the quality, well, they weren't setting the bar for quality mm-hmm. in rural America or anything, but they, he had this high school kid read scripture. And he read the second half of Romans 8. And why do I remember that weeks later? Because he stumbled and bumbled and really mispronounced a couple mm-hmm. things, to be honest with you. But for whatever reason, as God used that, that was the most powerful mm-hmm. part of that sermon, just to hear it coming across his lips. Mm-hmm. I, I heard Romans 8 like I hadn't heard it in a long time. And, and we just that's where you have to trust the Lord to right. do those things. Right. And you, you just said it, and this is the next area of discussion in this, that our job is to be working ourselves out of that. And we think that means we have to disciple people, but that's only one D word. We should be discipling everybody. Yes. But then there's another group of people that, as we're discipling, we're also developing. Them. Right. And those are two completely different things. They are. Um, so in your years of wisdom, Mark, mm-hmm. uh, what's the difference between discipleship and development, and how do those work together? Well, discipleship is, is, is really hanging out with people who love Jesus and are like Jesus, and we're together, we're becoming like the people we hang out with. You know, always you get parents who say, I need to pray for my son, he's really messed up in school because he's been hanging out with the wrong crowd. Well, he's being discipled by that crowd. Mm. So you end up acting like the people you hang out with because they hold you accountable to a certain level of activity and that kind of thing. That's discipleship. It's all good. Good discipleship is holding each other accountable, growing daily in Jesus. But developing is just what I said. It's it's going to somebody and saying, I think you could read Scripture publicly. Oh, I don't think I could. Yeah, let's, let's try it. Maybe on a Wednesday night. Let me print it up for you in really large print, one small verse. You just read it. You know, be part of this, and then and then moving them to the next level and the next level, and mm. affirming them when they do it, and giving them guidance and insight, and giving them and saying, "Hey, hey, I'm traveling to. Uh, I got to go to an associational meeting. You know, on Saturday. Just come. Uh, hey, how'd you like to come ride with me? Mm-hmm. I'd like to have somebody ride with me. Let them experience it. And you begin to to develop them as leaders, and you see that as your job to develop them as leaders. That takes a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And if you're a bivocational pastor and you've got three or four kids and you're trying to take care of your house, take care of you, you know, you, when do I have time to develop a leader? Well, you need to make time because that is your job. And ultimately it pays because ultimately when you have that pool of leaders, then you're free to focus on preparation of ser- sermons, prayer, study, and, and really 
serious counseling and, and dealing with people, you've got some margin now because right. you've got other people to help you. But you got to make sure and remember as well that development does not have immediate gratification. Like that, it does you, not. You develop somebody and you say, good, this is going to give me time. Not for a while. No, years, maybe. Yeah, because what you're doing, that's the long game that's that you're playing. Game, you know? uh, the, the development piece is what you're called to do. We disciple everybody. We develop a few. Uh, but in doing that, uh, we are looking for the long-term change. And, and honestly, when you develop somebody, you're thankful that God's given you something for the church, but it's extra sacrificial when you realize that you develop them because they need to go serve yeah. somewhere else. It's likely they will. Right. Right. Anyway, so when we talk about development, this is where a lot of uh, us fall off. We're like, well, I don't know how to do that. And you just said, bring them along. There's a, a very simple apprenticeship model. It's you watch me, then you go with me, then I watch you, then you do it. It's a four-step mm-hmm. process. You, right. You're inviting them, come along and watch how I do this. Right. And then we're going to do it together. And then I'm going to watch you do it. And then you're going to go do it. And that's that's just simple development in almost any area of ministry. Right now, our church is going through, our men, the, 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 the four elders in our church, we've just completed going through a, a nine-week study called Every Man a Warrior. You can look it up. Every Man a Warrior. It's a Bible study. Kind of connected. It's to good. Na- connected to Navigators. Yeah. All right? Well, you know, I've I've I'm been a pastor for forty some years. Howie has been a seminary graduate, and the other two or three guys are, are elders, and they read scripture publicly and pray publicly every Sunday, and can preach and if they need to. So, we take this Every Man a Warrior book, and we're going through it exactly like it's supposed to be going through. We're not we're not adding anything to it. We're not skipping over that because oh, we know that part and we know that part right. and we know how to do this. And it was a little hard at first. Because it's a little... Pretty basic. It's pretty, pretty, pretty basic. Yeah. And so we have this desire to move ahead and add to it, but no, we decided we were going to do it exact. Why? Because each of those guys has picked two or three guys that are not into God's Word, that don't mm-hmm. normally study God's Word, and they're going to teach them, and those guys will say, well, that was pretty simple. Maybe I could teach that. That's right. Oh, that's good. All right? That's very good. And so if we come at it with a lot of extra stuff... Those guys are going to go, I could never teach that. So and I'll give you one more quick example. Sure, that's great. When I was in Montreal years ago as a church planting leader, we had this wonderful young man named Philip Connor, if you're listening, Philip, and uh, he and his wife Candace were starting churches among uh, language groups in Montreal, and there were many of them. I think one of them might have been Punjabi. But anyway, they had a Thanksgiving. They, they were going to have a, a Canadian Thanksgiving, which is in October. They had Canadian Thanksgiving. They were going to invite their Punjabi neighbors because the Punjabi neighbors wanted to come and eat Canadian Thanksgiving. And so he's having some kind of a little... He's, he's talking... He, I think he shows the Jesus film in Punjabi. I think he shows the Jesus mm. film or something like that. And then he's a very gifted musician. I mean, extremely gifted, all right? He brings out this auto harp, <laughs> and it still has the guide in it. Remember A, B, C, <laughs> yep, D? Yep, yep. And so they sing these real simple Christian songs with the auto harp. He pushes the blink, A button. Blink, blink, Got it. Ring. I'm going, what in the world? I'm, hey, I'm a missionary. This is a kid right out of Golden Gate Seminary. First job. So when everybody leaves, I go, man, why didn't you bring out your 12 stream? Man, you are a great guitar player. He goes, no, they're not Christians yet. But he said, when they become Christians, if one of them becomes a Christian, I want him to know that he could lead music to a group, too. That's so good. Because anybody can play this auto harp. So good. Isn't that great? That's it. That's that development piece. And we all need to be working ourselves out of that job. But part of it is to go back and recognize there are just some times that this is the hard part. This is the pill for everybody to swallow. It's really hard to get to the place where you realize you're not the hero of the story. 
that Jesus is the hero of the story, and the main characters, I mean, you're, you're supporting them as well. It's those that are in your church. I want to tell you just a, a very quick story uh, about the very first time that I recognized this in grand detail. The church had grown. We already bought Big A Auto Parts store. We were, me- yeah, <laughs> we were meeting at another. And so, you know, we got this going on, and I had this thing in the back of my head. I am quite the man. There you, you know go. what I mean? I got this yeah, happening. Look yeah, at this. We are yeah. growing. But then we started beating our head on that thousand barrier. And for I know for many of the rural guys that there's a hundred barrier, there's like a 250. So wherever you are in this journey, I was beating my head on this, this barrier. And I remember having some, some staff retreat getaways with the four of us who were on staff. And we were talking about all the external, what's well, the culture and it's this and this, that and we pointed at everything. And then finally somebody lovingly recognized, well, are we doing this or this? And I'm like, no, no, that's on me. I need to be doing that. And then I started hearing myself time after time, everything administrative going, that's me. I'm the bottleneck. So when we got back, um, I found a guy. His name was Rod Sims, and he was in the congregation, very supportive. And I said, how would you like to make half the money for twice the work? There you go. There you go. <laughs> and uh, that probably should have been my first clue that he, w- he shouldn't have hired him, but I hired him, and, yeah. and he came in. And within just a, a couple of months, we blew past that barrier. And, and that was the lid that needed to be lifted. What I found out is I should never be in charge of administration of anything over 500, right? I just can't do it. I don't have that skill set. And so it came to the place where Rod was with us for years, and I used to say, my Rod and my staff, they come from me. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it was that stepping down that opened that up. So with that being said, I think there are two things that happen whenever a leader recognizes where they're falling down or they're limited and they let somebody else in. The first is this, that God takes the rain in an area to lead it bigger than than you could have because right. you've already met your max. But number right. two, now you're freed up. This is not you getting out of work. This is now freeing you up to do more of what you do best. Exactly. And uh, I think in even smaller environments, there are there are people in the pew. They need more opportunity than just handing out bulletins yep. on Sunday morning. There are yep. some who need more opportunity than putting crepe paper streamers up for vacation Bible school. Those are important. There are some people that could take significant weight off of you so that you could do what? Elevate your preaching game. Spend mm-hmm. more time on the relationship side. Right, exactly. And and understanding that and understanding who they are. And, and, and beginning, as we said, to develop them at a very slow process but over a long period of time. You should always be looking around saying, who am I developing? And some of you guys who are listening to this, I, I realize you've got seven or eight elderly folks in your church, no young people left, and you're going, this doesn't matter to me. Look, I'm going to tell you something. Jesus has a plan for that church, and and maybe the one thing you need to do is ask him to bring some young person across your path who doesn't know Jesus, and you lead that person to Christ, and you find the first one. If you just sit there and say, well, this doesn't work for me because there's no young people in my church, there's young people that are lost that need Jesus somewhere within your, wherever you live. Amen. And uh, and I, I that that happened at Warnell, the church I replanted in Kansas City. There were no really young people there, and and I just decided I was going to pray and ask God to bring one young man across my path and let me share. And I tried all kinds of ways to meet young young leaders or young people, and uh, eventually I, I found one, and he was from India, and he was a uh, he'd come to go to school there in Kansas City. And long story short, began to disciple him, and he began to disciple me as he as he knew Christ and. Mm. And uh, that began to change everything. And so I had to go find me a young man, so to speak. <laughs> you had to go dig one out of the woodwork. Dig one out of the woodwork. But once you do that, and then and then, then from that, for the first time in my, at that time, 25 years of ministry, 
I really did uh, allow other people to do things, and I, I wasn't the bottleneck. And it was hard because I like to do everything. Mm-hmm. Control is easier I than release. I love to be in control. Yeah. But so much more can get done if you're willing to release so those I, things. So one time, I, you know, I, our church, I thought, well, we needed more lighting up front. I mean, we had not much ambient lighting. So I, I found some church to donate these old spotlights or whatever. And, uh, and so we, I, you had to plug them in manually. You couldn't switch <laughs> no them No switcher. <laughs> yeah, and it had two different separate plugs or it'd blow the fuses, that kind of thing. So we, uh, our associate pastor's taken over. He's doing the primary preaching now because I'm doing most of my stuff is on the road with, the Amer- with North, Amer- North America Mission Board, all right? So we come back to Warren one Sunday morning, and, uh, you know, Adam's up there preaching, and the other elders are there. And I talked to Jill, and I said, hey, those, uh, those floodlights aren't on. Nobody plugged them in today. And she goes, no, they didn't. And so I'm sitting there, and I can't worship. I can't pay attention because those floodlights aren't on. So I'm, I get ready to get up, go plug them in. And she leans over, and, and she, won't, she doesn't listen to this podcast. She leans over, and she, like, digs her fingernails in my, in my leg. And she goes, if you get up, you're going to be really sorry. I said, what? She said, you are not. That is not your job. You don't need to do this. And if you do, it's going to make somebody look really bad who is supposed to plug those in. Okay, so I'll sit back. Good for it's her. Hard. To Good for do her. That. Yes. <laughs> well, and and that's exactly right. It, part of part of the releasing, part of developing, is understanding that when you do the part where you watch them do it, they're not going to do it as well as no. you. And if you go fix it every time, they're going to quit doing it. That's right. That's right. That's that's why I don't fold towels. <laughs> <laughs> because at my house, it was corrected the first time I did that in our second year yeah, of marriage, yeah. and so I haven't done yeah, it in the yeah, last there 30. There you go. <laughs> I don't think my wife listens to this either, so no, I'm getting away with that. They, they hear us enough. My wife doesn't even follow me on social media. Well, so I don't need to follow you. I live with you. Makes it easier. Makes yeah, it easier. Okay, so let me flip the script before we round this one out. Let me flip the script one more time. You're absolutely right. Sometimes you have to go out and get those young folks. Yes, you do. But I think also, if you're in the church with seven seniors... Right mm-hmm. or or seventeen seniors, um, uh, there's a great book. Chuck Stecker was the primary author, and it's called "There Is No Baton," and it's all about the fact that you don't retire in Christianity. Mm-hmm. That there actually is a place. We've gotten this philosophy. Well, they have to hand off the ministry to the next generation. You hand it off at your funeral. Mm-hmm. Until then, you're training and you're leading. Good and, word. And we need to remember that these seniors, yeah, good they word. are not there for the ride. Yeah, you're right. They are driving the bus, and and we need them in that place. And so don't give up on while you're looking for those young. And we do need them. Yeah, right. So we don't gray out. Right. But don't give up on those seniors for doing more than just showing up. Yeah, I agree. I think there's some great things good word. that they can do. Good word. Good way to conclude that. Good well, job. in that, let me take us to Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Everybody knows this one, but I want to make sure that you focus on... You, rural pastor, young pastor, you got to focus on the end of this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints, to equip the saints for works of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine and human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up into every way into Him who is the head into Christ. That part about we build up the body so that they do the works. It's it, Christianity's always been a team sport. Right. <laughs> and we always need to is. remember. 
So let me challenge you with that. Next week, we're going to talk about something a little more controversial. We're going to talk about video in church. Video in church. That'll be interesting. Video in church. Yeah, video church. Huh? <laughs> video church. Video, something no like. more video games. Uh, well, before we get there, well, let us just say thank you to you. We are so thankful that you are willing to join us and be a part of the Rural Pastor Podcast. Please check out the ruralpastorpodcast.com. Share this. Uh, subscribe. We just can't wait to see you next. You're important, and we love you, Pastor. Like the prophet Jeremiah, you may be the one to go to the dying and the broken with a message of hope. To that church on the corner, that forgotten little town, to a room of empty pews where his love can still be found. You may never know of all seeds you've sown. But it just takes one willing soul to make him known. Thank you so much for joining us at the RuralPastorPodcast.com. A special thanks to Chosen Road for this incredible theme music, to 180 Digital, our corporate sponsor. And you can check out both of them at our website as well as other resources because you're not alone. And Rural Pastor, we believe in you at the RuralPastorPodcast.com.